Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, May 20th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Well, I've made a horrible, horrible mistake. There's no cold beer in my fridge. Oh, yes. How did I not notice? He always he always cracks one right before the start of the pod. Yeah. You finally got through the, the Heineken? No, no. I, I'm just so off my game. I somehow put myself in a position where I ran out and didn't have it stocked. Um, it just goes to show how tired I am this week, which is extra ironic because being that tired and exhausted is exactly when I want one most. Um, whoops. Yeah, but- well, it'll be... Uh- dual aguas today on the podcast water powered um yeah besides that how's your week been um a lot of work a lot of playoff viewing early as i was saying just before we jumped on i kind of burnt out yesterday i was trying to make the habit of watching at least one game a night and with a hockey game on cbc and nba league pass that was fairly doable Um, but then kind of pushed it too much I think there were a couple days there where I got maybe like five six hours of sports viewing in and then I just needed a day to not do that which kind of sucks to be the day right before we get into it uh yeah some kind of wild weather here uh moving in the rain moving in the heat lots of stairs and other than that discovered this amazing uh band that's this like mix of celtic folk and metal uh interesting (laughs) been obsessed with that and a couple of my favorite bands putting out a bunch of tracks this week so all in all a pretty good week for myself how about you very nice very nice uh good week good week was really trying to power through here ahead of the long weekend up here in Canada to celebrate our our lovely queen um and yeah I've been on a heater Tim Hortons you uh for those of our friends south of the border Tim Hortons basically Dunkin Donuts in Canada um extra special part of our heritage and they have a contest on the app where you pick three players each night that you think are going to score a goal from a tier of players. Um, if you get one right, you get a certain amount of points, get a couple right, get more, get all three right, you get another amount. Uh, but if you pick one of your players' scores seven days in a row, you get free coffee for a week, and I'm one day away. Ooh. So we've got to get right tonight. So we pray for Connor McDavid. We pray for Tyson Berry. And we pray for Mikhail Backlund to score a goal tonight. And your boy will be getting a free drink from Tim Hortons every day next week. Based on two days ago, seems worthwhile to make all your picks in the Flames Oilers <laughs> series as opposed to the Rangers Kings series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will, we will definitely get to that series. Uh, but before we get there, we'll talk some basketball. And we'll finish up with some tennis. So without further ado, we'll jump into the sports portion of the podcast here. And Max, I'll let you decide where you want to go first. Should we go playoff action or to the draft lottery? Uh, Let's go playoff action. All right. All right. So we will go with last night's action and peel ourselves backwards a little bit. Miami 
and Boston. Game two. Wow. The playoff basketball in the East in the conference finals so far has not been the most uh, riveting. It's definitely intriguing, uh, but definitely not the close games that any of us were hoping for so far. Um, I think the closest game so far has been an 18 point victory uh, for Miami in game one, but the Boston Celtics come back in major fashion and just run the heat out of their building. Uh, Marcus Smart and Al Horford, huge additions for the Celtics in game two. And they instantly became that team that everyone feared coming out of the Milwaukee series. Uh, and, and Jimmy Butler, tough night. And then they, the Celtics really made it difficult for all the secondary scores on Miami um, and basically had Miami choose. We either put Hero on the floor, we put Duncan Robinson on the floor, we put a Gabe Vincent on the floor, and we pay for it dearly on the defensive end. Or we put Victor Oladipo out there, we put P.J. Tucker out there, uh, and, and we really struggled to generate offense. And the Celtics had some big adjustments, lots of switching, which really stifled the Miami offense, uh, and, and a huge win for them to steal one on the road and go back to Boston with the series tied one apiece. Yeah, I I only watched the first half of this game and then it, the Celtics had such a lead that I checked the final score and didn't really feel like watching the third and fourth quarters. Um, I wouldn't even fault the defense of Miami, though, in that first half. I, the Celtics' three-point shooting was just ridiculous in that first and second quarter. Um, some contested threes that really they had no right making as high of a percentage as they did mm -hmm. and then the drive and kick all day for the Celtics and that the team just locked in on those open threes um, it's a good thing no team defensively just let them shoot those all day because that would go horribly for them <laughs> and then it's not that different a start to game one where it was a punch counter punch situation uh, with the Celtics having a bit of a advantage over the heat. The difference was the offense just fell apart for the Celtics, um, not on its own, the aggressive defense of the heat, a huge part in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that does in part go to the depth when you have more guys in the rotation, more confident, more comfortable with the ball, especially your starting point guard, primary ball handler, Marcus Smart. It just takes less of a load on everyone, um, especially in that third quarter. But the seeds were planted in the second quarter of that first game. Uh, the heat were just all over them. So I think two games that looked more similar um, from a macro view than the scores would indicate just the two differences the Celtics abnormally hot on the three-point shooting and Miami didn't get that spark going on defense I, I don't know if they'll ever be able to get that with guys like uh, Smart and Horford who are going to be more comfortable with the ball and take the pressure off the rest of their team defensively I've liked Vincent Hero's obviously going to have struggles against the bigger wingier players I think he does enough defensively um, to make it worthwhile to have him on the court with the offense he brings, especially just with what the Heat are lacking. Uh, so I don't know what you tell yourself if the Heat, if you're the Heat, like they're 
probably not going to be that hot from the three-point range again. There should be some regression to the mean there. Um, but without that ridiculous defense, how do you win games? Yeah, it it's you got to help your defense out a little bit, probably by scoring more. And so that's looking for a guy like Bam Adebayo to be a bigger offensive presence in this series. With the Celtics switching as heavily as they are, you might need him to take advantage of some mismatches or you start mismatch hunting with a guy like Tyler Hero going up against Al Horford. Al Horford can hang with a lot of these dudes, but he shouldn't be able to hand with the quicker guards. And so maybe you start mismatch hunting there. And then if you make some of your shots, uh, the, the, the shooting percentage was pretty poor for Miami in that game. You make some of the shots, then it slows down the Celtics and, and puts them in a half-court offense where Miami has thrived a little bit more. But you saw one game where their role players came through and you saw one game where the Celtics role players came through and, and that's really what it's going to be. Um, Tatum's going to be there. Butler's going to be there. It's now going to be Bam, Hero, Vincent. Are, are they going to be able to do enough against the guys like Jalen Brown? Grant Williams, uh, Al Horford, Marcus Smart. It's in the end, I did pick Boston because I thought the Boston talent won out, but Miami definitely has three more extreme role player games left in them. And who knows if Kyle Lowry will be back for this series, but that's a pretty major swing for Miami as well. If he can come back and be healthy, I think it starts with them scoring at a little bit better clip, either mismatch hunting against the switches or running some actions that get you some favorable matchups. And that'll help your defense set on the other end. Yeah, I, I think in that second game, the first quarter, for the most part, went well for the Heat, at least the first eight to 10 minutes. It was punch, counter punch, punch, counter punch. It was when the offense let down and they couldn't keep up with the Celtics that they started to get into trouble. And that hold was just something they were unable to fill. That's not really their brand of basketball, though. Uh, so a few more stops, a bit better transition D. You hope some of those threes, like the range checks from Brown and when when Tatum's hitting contested shots by Adebayo, like what can yeah. what are you going to do? Um, yeah, it, <laughs> I, I do like the speed of the games. Uh, there seem to be less fouls at that speed, less free throw slowing it all down. Uh, but a couple closer ones would be a little more enjoyable. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a massive win for Boston and a demoralizing way to beat Miami on their home turf, but the we'll first see loss. how, yeah, yeah. We'll see how the heat respond heading to Boston. Both these teams are pretty solid on the road as to why they finished first and second in the Eastern conference. Uh, but we'll see if the role players can hold up for Miami if we'll, or if we'll see a, a repeat performance of game two. Let's continue to dial it back to Wednesday night where the golden state warriors took advantage of home court and blew out the Mavericks in game one. And, and the largest thing that you can point to right off the bat is the disparity in three point shooting Mavericks, I think, shot 22% for the game, uh, and, and Golden State a much higher clip than that. 
Additionally, Andrew Wiggins had a 15-point first half, and he's the fourth scoring option on that team, and he was taking advantage of some of the smaller Mavericks players when, when it came to some switching done by Dallas, which they do so heavily because they like to go five out. Um, we heard after the game now coming out today that Luka Doncic has been battling some sort of flu illness uh, and, and was very sick all night after game one. So interesting to see what he'll look like tonight. Uh, but Dallas really has to take a look in the mirror here because they were unable to play Looney off the court like they were able to against Aiton and against Gobert. And, and Looney was a major impact, just making things difficult for Dallas all over the court. He's the biggest dude. He was getting a ton of rebounds, and he was contesting a lot of shots when Doncic was in the paint. And Golden State did a really impressive job switching up their defensive looks. Everyone continues to always forget that at the prime peak of this Warriors team, they were also the best defensive team in the league, despite being an incredible all-time offensive team. So really fascinating to see that first punch from Golden State. And we'll see how Dallas adjusts now heading into game two tonight. Yeah, this is a team that was down to nothing to the Suns. It's going to be a long series i'm hoping um this uh, i kind of hate with league pass the ability to not watch or to sit and wait and watch the game not knowing the score if i get it spoiled like half the fun seems to be taken out of it now and i opened up youtube at one point during the night and saw that the warriors had a 20 point lead and in the third quarter and couldn't find it in myself to watch and yeah, that's all I have to say about this game, unfortunately. You take another quick look at the box score. Something that was pointed out on a couple other podcasts was Maxi Kleba getting into some foul trouble in this game. And that's huge for Dallas because he is that guy who spreads out opposing centers. And so they'll need him to have a much better game tonight. Uh, and that'll be a game that I'm hoping to stay up for on the Friday night of a long weekend. I know, I know, way past my bedtime, but that's the goal is to stay up for this one because I think it could be a classic. It must be so nice to not work on Saturdays. I really can't <laughs> imagine. Well, hey, you don't work on Mondays or Tuesdays sometimes, so it all balances out. Mm. Sure. All right. Uh, we, we went through the playoff action. We have arrived at the draft lottery. And Max, the Orlando Magic, landing their fourth ever first overall selection. Uh, previous picks have been Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard, and Penny Hardaway. Uh, so a pretty illustrious crew that this new pick could be joining. One of Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, or Jabari Smith. Um, and, and all three of those guys, people are very, very high on. So it's going to be very interesting to see who is picked first. Um, the next big winner of this draft was Oklahoma City Thunder, who jumped up to the number two pick. And this is what they're hoping for when they do the extreme tanking that they have done. If they have a shot to get one of Chet, Palo, or Jabari and fit that in with Giddy, Shea, uh, <laughs> Pokushevsky, perhaps, <laughs> uh, Lou Dort. It, the, Dort becomes the smallest guy on the court, and you have a pretty talented young core that you get to begin to build around, and you have so many picks for years to come. They also have the number 12 selection that's coming over from the Los Angeles Clippers. So two picks in the lottery for the OKC Thunder, and and hey, they're, they're just trying to load up on young talent any way they can. The third pick, the Houston Rockets, 
slide down just one spot. Uh, Jalen Green last year, but they'll still be in a position to get one of those three top guys to fit with Jalen, which could be great. Um, if it ends up being Bancaro, that could be very interesting because those guys are are more self creators than create for others. Uh, so we could see um, be interesting to see how they balance out the distribution of shots on that team. Uh, and then the Sacramento Kings in the four spot, just of course outside of that top tier of the draft, but be interesting to see what they have now with Fox Sabonis uh, as, as the core of their team and what moves they'll make to either supplement. Uh, they picked Davion Mitchell last year. And so maybe they'll go not guard, but, but kind of after those top three, the guards are the next best things in this draft. Uh, Shade and sharp max. Someone we'll talk about in the future. Canadian kid um, who, who is, is definitely high variance across the board in, in on teams draft lists. And then the loser of this draft really is the Detroit Pistons who drop all the way to five. Um, they were really hoping to pair one of those top three bigs with Cade Cunningham. Um, they'll have to settle for someone a little bit different. There'll still be a great prospect available at five, uh, but that's a tough break. If you're a Detroit fan, um, Cade of course is awesome and you're so happy you have him, but it would have been really nice to pair another one of these potential franchise guys with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we'll see where they go. Uh, here to try and supplement Cade Cunningham with another awesome player. That's pretty much it from the draft lottery. Besides that, it went mostly chalk, uh, but we will start to dive into some of these prospects as we get closer to the draft. And it's always a fun time of year, especially a fun last year when the Raptors had the number four overall pick. If you're Sacramento, you maybe get your hopes up that you can draft a, a Scotty Barnes, but uh, yeah, shout out Scotty first team all all rookie. Um, of course, naturally we saw that after winning rookie of the year, but always a fun time when, when the draft rolls around and, and looking forward to see what moves teams make there. Any thoughts on any of the other first teams? The all defense one caught my eye. I didn't see the uh, all NBA one though. I don't know if those have all been released yet. Okay. The all defense one was pretty fun and terrifying. It was something like, uh, let's see if I can get it off the top of my head. Smart, Gobert, uh, Bridges. And then I know Williams was on the second one with uh, yeah, Holiday. I got it here. Who am I missing there? So uh, Smart, oh, Bridges, Jackson. Gobert, Antetokounmpo, and Jaron Jackson. Antetokounmpo was the last one I didn't yeah. have. And then Adebayo, Holiday, Tybal. Rob Williams and Draymond Green second team all deserving guys but our boy Fred Van Vliet mi apparently missed out by just one spot in the voting really because I saw some advanced stat I know it's a regular season stat but uh I saw some advanced stats that like playoff wise he had some of the worst numbers up defensively not a playoff award though he was injured in the playoffs okay okay ah, tough tough for our boy Fred tough for our boy Fred uh, 41 total points in voting. Matisse Thibel with 46 total points in the voting. Unfortunate. Um, with the rookie team, Josh Giddy and Herbert Jones snubbed, in my opinion, uh, as Jalen Green jumps into the first team All-NBA. Um, I don't think a lot of people had him there, but he ended up in that spot. Uh, of course, joining Mobley, Cunningham. And, and Scotty Barnes as well in that respect, and Franz Wagner, four of the top candidates for Rookie of the Year. But that was an interesting 
point of conversation was Jalen Green getting in there over Giddy and Herbert Jones, who both made the second team. But yeah, you could argue that 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 pick from Jalen Green is based purely on his scoring, which it was, and based maybe more on what people think the ceiling of him could be. Uh, but I think one of Giddy or Jones probably should have gotten that last first team spot. All of them great young players. This draft is going to be awesome for so many years to come. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps us up with basketball. We'll talk a little bit of hockey here, run through each of the series. The Tampa Bay Lightning just keep finding a way. Uh, last night, a bunch of players back and forth in the tunnel, getting things stitched up, put together. Um, the, it, you fall apart when you're trying to build a dynasty. Three straight Stanley Cups has never been done in the salary cap era. And the Lightning are a special, special team. And they go into uh, Florida and they win both games on the road. And that pretty much seals the series. I don't see the Panthers winning four of five with three of those games being in Tampa. Uh, be a pretty special run if they did. But it's a massive result for Tampa who score in the last two seconds of the game in game two to ice it. Corey Perry has been awesome on the power play for them. Uh, and, and Kucherov feels like somehow the Leafs really took him out of their series, but he's come alive now in this second round series. And, and Florida is going to have a big gut check here because Tampa just keeps on rolling. Yeah. Um, how about Corey Perry? Uh, if you can't beat him, join him with, on that stars <laughs> roster that goes to the finals, lose to the bolts on that Habs roster goes <laughs> to the finals, lose to the bolts. What do you do, but join the bolts and be a contributing part to this roster so far through two rounds through the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that Kucherov pass to Perry in the first game, I think the film- And the move he pulled. Oh my goodness. Against Aaron Ekblad, no less. Like, oh, simply yeah. disgusting. And then uh, the other power play goal that same game. So terrifying how they really played an awful first period and gave Florida all the confidence they needed and then still just took over the game. Uh, if you're the Panthers, you're incredibly discouraged at this point, but if home ice or being on the road is going to be an advantage or the smallest disadvantage anywhere, it's going to be just a couple hundred kilometers tops, 100, 200, yeah. I think, away from your home ice. Uh, the travel time, not going to be as much of a factor. And you have the confidence coming off that Washington series that you can come back as a team. Uh, but just the resilience, the self-belief of this Bolts team over the past two years and then tempered and recertified in that Leaf series, having to fight off an elimination game and once they got in the driver's seat around that second, third period of game six, they haven't looked back really since then. It's going to take just such a strong, consistent, like 12 period straight performance from a team to really unnerve and desettle this Bolts team. And so far we haven't seen that from the Panthers or like maybe a special goalie, but I don't think that's Bobrovsky. Yeah. Could it be a Spencer Knight? It's a possibility. I don't think Bobrovsky has been poor. No. Um, 
but I don't know. It's, it, it feels like more of the team right now in front of him that needs to find that secret sauce because Lord knows Tampa Bay has it. Um, and yeah, we'll see how they respond in game three on the road. That'll be a, a huge franchise defining moment for a team that went all in this year. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty well rooting for the lightning sweep because just makes our misery so much more in the rear view mirror and almost makes it feel good to take them to seven. At the same time, you think about what could have been that if the Leafs were the team that was good enough to put them to seven and take them right to that last goal where they could be now. There you go. Making us feel bad again. <laughs> Some other right, fans who feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about the New York Rangers? feels real bad who thought they had it and then they give up an overtime winner to ian cole uh of all people unlikely heroes present themselves in the nhl playoffs and carolina steals one um and and that's gonna be a big one for the rangers if they look back and lose this series a really tough one uh but game two currently in action tonight and and we'll see how they can bounce back there not a lot to say on that one either. Yeah. Another team though, our first bounce back team here that has shown the resilience is the St. Louis blues. They go into Colorado who had not lost yet in the playoffs, one five straight. And they put a beating on them really established domination there. Uh, four, one victory, David Perron with two Jordan Cairo. Awesome. And, and Kale McCarr hitting his knee in the post uh, sliding, trying to make a save. We'll see if, how he's feeling, but uh, this Avalanche team, this is their their first road bump uh, in this playoffs. They've really struggled in second round series in in many years prior, uh, and this St. Louis Blues team is no walkover. I I said this was going to be my most intriguing series to watch, and so far so good. One apiece, and we head to St. Louis, and and we'll see how the Avalanche can respond. Is it crazy to be five of six so far in the playoffs and have the demons emerging already? Because I feel like that's where the avalanche are. Uh, game one, which should have been a blowout for them, goes to overtime, um, completely outplaying the Blues. Uh, it felt like they were in the driver's seat through the gameplay, but never on the scoreboard. A game that they really should have won like four or five goal landslide they have to fight tooth and nail for and then as you said they end up getting gut punched in the next game uh, it's just one game you're one one in this series but with the aforementioned second round struggles with the way those two have gone so far a game you should have won easily being tight and getting blown out at home they're going to need a really strong first period here in this next game to just clear it, shake the demons, clear the cobwebs and not think about it. Because if it slides any further, uh, better luck next year, Avs. Yeah, and they're going to have to find a way to solve Jordan Bennington, who is returning to 2019 form. He was great in the Minnesota series. He's been great so far in this one uh, and this Blues team has that similar makings of, of Tampa Bay where they keep things close and they somehow manage to find a way. And, and prior to the two Tampa Bay cups, it was St. St. Louis who, who were the champions. So uh, going to be a tough team to solve. And 
that's kind of the Colorado dragon right now to slay is the second round and it being St. Louis, a team with a ton of championship DNA. So really fascinating to see where that series go. But we, we saved the best up. for last. Oh yeah. The battle of Alberta uh, has been making its way across the sports world. Really, really popular. I think hockey is getting more run now with the new ESPN partnership um, in mainstream America than it has the last few years. Uh, and it feels like a lot of the U.S. is tuning in for this series, um, even if it is tough to stay up to 10.30 is the start time tonight. What are no. they thinking? It, you're losing a ton of viewership by putting it so late because everyone wants to watch a 15-goal game one where Calgary rocketed out to a 3 nothing start. McDavid, of course, hoping he can do what he did in the first period again tonight for my Timmies. Uh, but fantastic game, 15 goals in total, 9-6. Edmonton rallied, uh, and, and a lot of jokes being made by both sides after that one where the Flames playing such a tight series. They didn't score um, their ninth goal, I think, until the third period of Game 5 in the Stars series. And, and they have scored nine already in one game. So really open ice going to see a lot of talent on display. I think if you're the flames, you actually don't want to have it that open, but they do have the talent to keep with it. Um, and a really fun series so far, Max, any, any additional thoughts here on this one? I'm nervous about how boring this next game will probably be just from the plethora of mistakes, especially I saw from the Oilers in that first period, uh, the sloppiness, the turnovers in their own end, the priority is going to be not making those as opposed to scoring. Um, I hope I'm wrong there. Uh, and I also hope for the sake of Mike Smith that he has a better first minute of play because, <laughs> you know, like you turn the game on you go to the bathroom you grab it you do a couple things and thank god i had the volume on because <laughs> that was simply absurd uh, underrated best storyline from this series so far are the antics of one brady kachuk cheering on his brother uh absolutely losing his mind when calgary won in in game seven in the first round and has become a poster boy for all beer companies, most notably Budweiser, who he just signed a contract with today mm. to be a <laughs> spokesperson uh, because he has been ripping it up with the fans in Calgary. His dad looks like he's having a good time too. Uh, they are partying it up. He's got beers in his back pockets ready to go and, and Brady's having a really fun time. It's been really awesome to watch him cheer on his brother and, and be an absolute animal in the stands. <laughs> Yeah, loving all the playoff action right now, even if it takes its toll sometimes. <laughs> all right. Through the NBA, through the NHL, got another big, big tournament on the horizon, Max. Rolling Garros, just around the corner. What you got? Yeah, that's right. It's one of the four Grand Slams kicking off this Sunday, really Monday, I suppose. Um I don't even know what the biggest storyline for this one is. Take your pick. Um, I'll present you three. One, Novak Djokovic is going to play. This was something that we didn't think was going to happen this come January. Uh, the defending champion of this tournament. Um, that is wonderful news. 
Uh, he will be trying to tie Rafael Nadal for the all, being the all-time leader in men's grand slams. Rafael Nadal, of course, the king of clay. The, he's won something like 14 of the last 16 French Opens. I think the only player ever to have a statue put in front of a court as an active player. Um, of course, Nadal battling injuries this year. At times, it's looked like it hasn't mattered, but at uh, Indian Wells, uh, in his most recent loss to Shapovalov, it has been apparent, so we're hopeful that it doesn't flare up, but it's certainly on the horizon. And then Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the breakout tennis star of this year. Uh, who has wins over both Djokovic and Nadal in their most recent matchups and hasn't lost since February, March. Um, March, he lost in March. Uh, but he has been ridiculous. Clay has been his best court so far. He has the skill to beat anyone in the world. Uh, a huge part of that success this year has been the endurance building he did in the off season to try and be able to implement his brand of tennis for as long as he needs to be able to. So the question is at a grand slam over five sets, will that um, hard hitting style with maybe a slightly bulkier build be able to hold up? Um, it, it's something he's tried to do. Uh, so that's there, but it's really going to be the mental resiliency. Uh, guys like Rafa, guys like Novak, they can go down two sets and then still pull it out. And it, it just wrecks such havoc and terrorism on their opponent's mind that you can play so well for two hours and then you still haven't put the other guy away. You still have to dig deep. And it feels like they can always dig deeper. Uh, when he goes up against that kind of resiliency for the first time in his young, young career, what will he be able to do? Um, it's really hard to doubt the kid after what he's shown so far this year. It really, any of those three playing each other are for sure the matches to watch. Um, I don't know what Alcaraz started the year at in the seeding, but number six in this draw, and I think in the world. Uh, so cannot wait for that. Um, all the usual suspects here. Casper um, Rudd, another guy to keep an eye on. He's been had a pretty solid clay season so far. Stefano Tsitsipas, who uh, took has been to a couple finals, has won a thousand, went to the finals last year. Our Canadians have been rather fluky and streaky. Shapovalov getting bounced in Geneva in his first match this week. Unfortunate to see Felix after a great February. Hasn't really been as steady as we'd like, uh, though probably the best tennis he's played since February, leading up to his loss to Djokovic in Rome. Uh, but the reason those two have managed to stay top 10, top 20 in the rankings is they pretty well always put in a third, fourth, fifth round performance at Grant, each and every Grand Slam fairly consistently. Oh, the one other note I had for Alcaraz was to mention that in Australia, he was able to pull out the third and fourth sets after dropping the first and second to Berrettini. So that's a good sign for the endurance if you're worried about that there. 
should be some fantastic tennis. I might have to take a day or two off work to catch these semis. Uh, the highlight of the tennis viewing, in my opinion, came in the semis last year in with the Djokovic Nadal matchup uh, and the Zverev Tsitsipas one, also not a bad one, both going five sets. And then of course, Djokovic going, dropping the first two against Stefanos in the finals and then pulling it out. Uh, a lot of fantastic storylines for that all the best players it's one of the best things in tennis and i cannot wait for it kicking off this monday awesome well we've made it through all without a beer good job max proud of you it's tough <laughs> on this hydro powered podcast we have reached the end looking forward to an awesome awesome weekend NBA, NHL playoffs, MLB season in full swing. Of course, French Open getting underway on Monday. We've also got the Spanish Grand Prix in Formula One, uh, as well as Champions League final just around the corner next weekend. Uh, Lots and lots of great sports action to take in. When you hear us next, we will be celebrating the Queen uh, on Monday. and, And thanks everyone so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Next door, signing out.